This is the Ezra podcast, and we're going to be talking the post fight for Richard Comey versus Jose Pedraza in a fight that I told you was going to be good, a fight that I told you I liked the matchmaking for it. I've seen critical, people being critical of this matchmaking because they were saying, like, you know, these are mid-card guys now. And it's exactly the mentality that I think we need to get away from, away from in boxing. The fact that, okay, maybe these guys cannot be the best guys at 135 pounds, can't be the best guys at 140 pounds. But that doesn't mean that they, we should just get rid of them and they shouldn't have opportunities to headline cars or opportunities to fight and earn money. And I still think that they're high-level fighters. I still think they're highly entertaining fighters. Now, I think we know that they're not going to be able to be the top guys. And that's fine, though. That doesn't mean that your boxing career is done if you're not going to be the top guys. Most uh, 90% of the guys fighting are not going to be the top guys. That's just the truth of it. But there's still great matches could be made. There's still uh, legacies that can be built, resumes that can be built up. So when you get these fights, I think if you keep matching contenders versus contenders, right? Top 10 guys, you just match all of them against each other. You're gonna, more likely you're going to get better fights. I think matching high-level guys versus high-level guys is always going to lead to better fights, more entertaining fights. And I think that's what we saw versus uh, Pedraza versus Comey. So pull this up real quick. It was... Um, a back and forth fight. It was a highly competitive fight. Highly competitive. Very, very close. I had scored it uh, 96-94 for Comey. Now, I was okay with the draw. My range was 96-94 or draw. I had one swing round. That's the swing round was the last round, round number 12. I gave it to Comey. I could see you giving that fight, uh, giving that round to Pedraza. I'd be okay with that. So that being a swing round was that's why my range of scores is that we basically got that we got one ninety five ninety five and one ninety four ninety six, and then one ninety seven ninety three for Pedraza. I cannot see how you could come up with that score. I'm not saying that the fight I did say the fight's competitive, but a lot of the rounds were kind of to me easier to score. It was real back and forth as far round to round, but not sometimes in the rounds. I didn't think that there was a lot of rounds that were like, oh, that was so tight. Uh, I don't know who to score for. It was kind of clear, like, this guy won this round, then this guy came back and won this round, this guy won this round. The fight played out as pretty much exactly how I uh, thought it would play out. And the thing I warned was that Pedraza has kind of always folded to um, when resistance. When, it, when it's resistance, when it's a close fight, Pedraza's never met that and rised above it. And in this fight, I kind of seen it going in that direction, um, and it was funny because the odds were so much in Pedraza's favor. And there also was like the um, where they thought that the round was going to end was uh, the eighth. That was like the cutoff point of like betting, right? They thought the eighth round that they seen the fight ending someone right there. So it was two things that I just didn't see, right? First of all, I didn't see Pedraza as a huge favorite in this fight. The other thing is I didn't think he was going to have like the power to take Comey out of there. Okay, it's two things I didn't see in the fight. I thought that Comey would uh, be able to use his will and really make things happy. He's not a guy that hesitates, not a guy that really overthinks things. And he's just going to kind of come forward at you. And that's kind of what he did. All right. He kind of came forward and Pedraza was looking to stay in there early. And he was looking to hold off his ground or hold off the ground early. Now I told you Pedraza's not, I don't think he's a very good defensive fighter, honestly. And I think he has that rep of being good defensively because he's got to move backwards. He's a little slick and, you know, he likes to move around the ring. So you kind of get like, you kind of just fit the criteria of what, like, oh, this is what a defensive fighter would look like. This is what he would do. This is what he would fight like. But I don't really think he's that great defensively. I don't think he has a great guard. I think he's hittable. I think when he's using his legs, he becomes better defensively. I think that's, like, his main uh, avenue of defense 
in a fight, but I don't think that like, oh, this is a defensive wizard by any means. Any, uh, I think he's very hittable, and I thought that Comey was showing that in the fight. And when Pedraza's staying on the inside, kind of eliminated his only defensive skill that he had, and Comey was kind of just being able to get his offense going, be able to find him and push him back. There was a point where Pedraza switched southpaw, and when he stood his ground in southpaw, it made it very hard for Comey to find his um to get comfortable coming in because of the front foot. So when a guy's has to come forward, his forward momentum is a big part of his offense. When it's southpaw orthodox, right, whoever has to come forward to his offense, he's going to struggle because he's having a hard time placing his foot. He's going to have a hard time, you know, um, feel, feeling comfortable to get the forward momentum to 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 jump in because he, he can't find a, a place to place his foot. And you kind of saw that. And then you saw Pedraza kind of go to the body, and it, it looked like it was taking out something out of Comey. It was. It was points where Comey was getting hit in the body, and he was, it kind of shut him down for a few rounds. It was a, a little adjustment that Pedraza made that um, really put him back into this fight and kind of turned it around for him a little bit. Now, I could see at moments uh, Pedraza was still kind of looked like he was folding to the pressure, and there was points where he kind of started giving up more ground. And I, to me, the, him give, not giving up ground in the fight when it was orthodox, it didn't make any sense. And it was just like, Comey was able to land. Now, when he was southpaw, it was really effective because of the, the front leg. But then he started giving up ground more, and that allowed uh, Comey to get the forward momentum, and it allowed them not to have something in the way as he's coming forward. Also, Pedraza put himself against the ropes at times. For you know, No one's forced him against the rope. He just end up there. And I could see him kind of wilting away. I could see him kind of giving in um, in one of the rounds. And then a headbutt happens, and Comey gets cut over his eye, over his left eye. And this affects Comey in a way that I, I, I didn't I didn't see this happening. You know, you don't. It's such a mental game, uh, boxing. And at that point, right before this happens, I feel like Comey is really starting to get his offense going. He's really starting to apply pressure to Pedraza, and he's really starting to put the shots together. Then, the, uh, and it looks like Pedraza to me is kind of wilting away. Right, so he gets stuck against the ropes, getting hit with a lot of shots. Then the headbutt happens. Comey doesn't react well to it at all. He just keeps jabbing at it, looking at it, looking at the cut, see how much he's bleeding. You can tell it's getting in his eye. And this gave uh, Pedraza, you know, first of all, got Comey off of him. But then it gave Pedraza a little more confidence because it's like, okay, I see blood. I see an opening. I see a weakness. I can see that it's bothering him. And he starts coming forward. And he starts landing shots. And just little things like that. It's, the game is so mental. It's such a mental game. Gave Pedraza enough energy to come back in the fight, get back in the fight, and start being really effective because he does start being effective from that point. Now, Comey couldn't be consistent in rounds in this fight at all. I didn't feel like his consistency in rounds, like he he would do something good for like the first minute and then completely tail off in the second minute and then try to come back the third or, you know, wherever. Uh, nothing in the first, the first minute of the round, then something in the second and a half, second minute, and then the third minute is just like, he, uh, you know, hot and cold. He just wasn't consistent in this fight at all. He wasn't consistent. And it really, um, he needed that to really Im- implement his game on Pedraza. And he just never had that. So, Comey, so Pedraza, I thought when Comey was applying a lot of pressure and coming forward and staying active, I thought he was winning the fight like easily. Then when his motor kind of sl- slowed down and he kind of was just more staring, then that allowed Pedraza to f- find his game, find his rhythm. And especially happened later in the fight, like because it looked like Comey's gas tank just completely was going away. And Pedraza would, I wouldn't say he rose up to the level. I just thought that it, Comey kind of came back down and Pedraza took advantage of that and found his shots. And like I said, the body work was really effective, especially with Comey's energy just dipping so much. Those body shots, you could tell, were really bothering him. We get him off the spot. There was one round when Comey uh, kind of chose to 
be a lot more selective with his shots. He was selective with his offense. Um, Tim Bradley said, you know, he's boxing this round. I wouldn't say, like, you know, necessarily he was boxing, but as far as, like, I just thought he was being selective with his offense. He was picking his spots, and I thought it was a, it was really a more of an energy thing. And that him being selective and maybe slowing down how much offense he was setting out allowed him to be more consistent in the round. Now, the next round, that I think is the 11th, he completely falls off again, and then uh, Pedraza takes that round. Go, I thought it was all coming down to the last round. Um, and like I said about the will of Pedraza and him not really uh, ever stepping up the gas when someone has le- is doing that to him, right, in a competitive fight, I didn't think he did that in this fight. Even though he got a draw, even though it was close and competitive, I still don't think that. I thought he had a, a tired Comey that kind of wanted to go and he was hurting the 11 twice right and i think a lot of that's from exhaustion but he was hurt and i thought that the 12th round was there for pedraza just to really put it on him because comey came out strong early but he wasn't really being affected was coming up short and pedraza just played it really safe in that round it was a, it was a really interesting choice man i don't know what the judges had that round how they scored that round and how it uh really affected the fight but i just thought comey got to work early it wasn't that effective. Pedraza t- touches him a few times, but not really effective. Kind of a lot of staring, a lot of playing it safe. And then Comey really goes for it at the end. And I thought that the shots he landed at the end were enough to steal the round. And once again, even though we got a draw, even though we got a competitive fight, I still think Pedraza was not able to match the willpower in this fight. And I think it cost him. Now, I still think these guys are still very good. I still think that they're very interesting versus, you know, those... uh those mid-level contenders, the, the, you know, spots eight through four, you know what I mean? I wouldn't mind seeing these guys. I, I think that was a good high-level fight, entertaining fight. There's a, I'm never going to complain about a matchup that's just a competitive fight, a fight that I think is two guys who are still fighting at a good level, are still highly skilled. You know, you if you're going to beat these guys, you're going to be pretty damn good to beat them. And matching them up with each other and giving them the opportunity and not just getting rid of them because they can't, uh, you know, beat the top, top guys, the elite guys. Well, that, I'm okay with that. I'm, I I think that that's something that we should do more in boxing. I think we're going to see a lot more in boxing. There's way more TV times to fill. I have no problem with fights like this. I think that it, as entertaining as this fight was, as competitive as it was, as much uh, back and forth it was, I don't know how you could have a problem with it. I thought it was a very good fight. I had scored it for Comey, but I was okay with the draw. I was okay with it. Let's see what they do. They might could match him again, could send him in uh, different directions, which to me would make sense too to send him in different directions. Because since these two guys, uh, you know, especially in this weight class, 140 and 135 pounds, if Comey wants to go back down, there's plenty of names that, that need action and need work. And I think these guys show that they're, st- they're still credible guys and they're still fighting at a good level and they're still skilled and I'm still just seeing them fight. I don't know if everybody else feels that way. It kind of felt like I saw a little more negativity on this fight as far as just like the matchmaking of it, but I, I liked it. I really did. I'm not I'm not here just for squash matches. I'm not. I want to see competitive fights and the UFC does this all the time. They get Donald Cerrone still fights. You know, and Donald Cerrone's not even competing at high levels. These guys are not even close and he still fights, right? And he'll still get on main cards. Why wouldn't these two guys still get opportunities? It doesn't make sense to me. On the undercard, you had uh, Jared Anderson, uh, Big Baby, and I was tweeting that I, I, I don't like calling another man Baby. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel right. It's not one of my favorite nicknames. I actually think the nickname's holding him back. If I'm gonna be honest with you, I think that nickname is holding him back. I, I think that it's not something that 
you know, especially when you come to heavyweight, you you want to um, believe this is like the baddest man in the world. I think calling someone big baby, uh, I just kind of think it takes away from that. I'm gonna be honest with you. So I, I'm not a fan of the uh, big baby nickname. But he he fought Rob Ganon, and I'm gonna talk about this fight, and I'm gonna talk about the Richard Torres fight. Richard Torres fought before that. Richard Torres was is a silver medalist in the Olympics, Mexican heavyweight prospect. You know, being honest, he has the looks, he has the um, fighting style. Uh, I don't know how he is on a mic. I was saying that if he's any good on a mic, he could be an absolute superstar, and he wouldn't even have to fight anyone for real for a lot of years. But the reason why I bring up that fight and I want to talk about the Anderson fight is because the craft that Anderson showed, right? The craft he showed, the different elements of his game, the things he's working on, the things he's bringing out, and he's just sharpening his tools, right? He's sharpening his iron. And you see Torres, and I understand Jerry Anderson has been fighting pro longer, but you see Torres go in there, and it's still the same stuff I'm seeing that I see in the Olympics. It's still the same stuff that got him through amateur tournaments that got him to this point, but I'm not seeing improvements on it. I'm not seeing different levels to his game. And he's, I don't, to me, what I would say is he's not developing his craft, right? And I see Anderson, and like I said, I understand he has more experience. I understand he's been doing this longer, but he's developing his craft. And I've, I've seen him fight for a while now, and I've seen a lot of his fights, and he's always getting better, and he always looks sharper, and he always looks like he's adding something to it. And at the point where Torres is, and the point that that's the point that Anderson just kind of came out of, yes, you're going to beat those guys. And you're going to do the devastating fashion that he did it, right? He did do in devastating fashion. Now, you have to have, to me, a good eye to see that, yes, we got this amazing knockout, right? Knock this guy out cold. But we have to be honest with, you know, what, what's happening out there, right? You have to be honest of, like, how we bring them along. Because, honestly, at that point, at that level, you can knock out all of those guys, right? You can knock out 10 of them, 10 guys like that. I mean, knock them out. Everyone's going to do it. That's what everyone does in boxing. But it's what you're doing with it in that time that's really more important than just knocking these guys out. Are you developing something? Every time you come to the ring, are you bringing something else to it? Are you sharpening your your uh, skill set? Or are you just been doing the same thing over and over and over again since the amateurs, since the Olympics and now in the pros? I think Torres, his training to me, I'm not seeing different elements of his game. And I, I understand that it's so he's so new and so green, but I just, are you going to dedicate yourself to the craft? Are you going to fully commit to this? I understand he's a well-rounded guy and all those things, but this right here, boxing and the guys that are fully committed to it, they don't, they don't, they don't usually have backup plans. They don't. And there's a reason why that leads to success. They don't have anything else to fall on. They're not thinking of anything else. They are just thinking of this. And I think that maybe Torres has, other options that he could fall back on, other things that interest him. And he's going to win fights. I'm not saying he's in trouble to win fights. He's going to win a lot of the fights, especially at that level. Of course, at that level, he's going to win those fights. But is he going to develop his craft to the point to where he has to fight a guy like Anderson, fight the top heavyweights? They ain't going to just go out just because you're throwing big shots and you're coming forward and you're exploding at someone. They're just not. Yeah, you got to develop that skill. If you look at... um. I mean, I was just watching the the Hulu thing on the Mike Tyson, and I thought was, I thought the thing is pretty good, by the way. Um, but you know, the thing about Mike Tyson is like how skilled he was, and to to get to the positions he wanted to f- implement his style on someone, it, it took a lot of dedication, a lot of skill, a lot of commitment to his craft. 
And I think Tori's at the point where he has to kind of make those decisions. I see Anderson, he's made those decisions. I have no questions about it. He's dedicated to his craft. He's developing his craft. He has the intentions of being great. And he's making sure that he's doing all the right things, checking all the boxes. Even when he knows he could beat these guys, he doesn't really have to add anything to his game to beat those guys. No, I don't. Why did my thing turn off? Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let's get this fixed real quick. I apologize. That's just the, the thing behind me turned off. And the presentation wise is very key, especially the video. And I can't just have this thing turning off, you know, wherever it feels like it. I don't think that's uh, I think that's going to work for me. I'll be honest with you. Let's see here. Close everything out. Like I said, I apologize for technical difficulties. This, is, this happens. This is a part of, you know, this is a part of podcasting. But anyways, we get that back, we get it back. If we do, we do, we don't, we don't. That's just it. We just got to go forward with it. But Anderson is committed in, uh, he's committed to his game and he's committed to developing it to a, a high level. He's committed to, he has bigger plans than what he's fighting right now. And you can walk away with these highlight real knockouts, but those aren't, you know, defining your legacy or those aren't, proving that you're at the highest level. It's just not. He's supposed to knock these guys out. But is it going to look different? Is it going to look more developed? Is he going to look more, to me, like a pro, honestly, and look more uh, with more dimensions? I didn't see that from Torres. I see it from Anderson. So this is, these are things where they bring these fighters along. That's what they mean when they bring them along. It's not, not beating these guys. I'm telling you, they, they expect to beat these guys. That's why they put those guys in there. They beat these guys. I do want to talk about the Richard Torres knockout. It was pretty devastating. Um, let's get this video going. Uh, I seen people saying that, like, you know, boxing needs to do better, and why was this guy in there? This what happened there, right? The opponent and everything that's not unfamiliar in boxing, it's, it's actually uh, very common. Okay, we are back, it's actually very common, um, uh, in boxing. For the opponents at that point of his career to look like that. I mean, that's just that's just the truth of it. Now, the fact that you know he was maybe knocked out a few months ago, I think that that's where it could it definitely get better. There are definitely improvements that could be made, but this what happened here wasn't out of the norm in any means. This is kind of commonplace. So it's a fact that we kind of act like it's out of the norm, it's just not the case. I do think that. Like I said, there needs to be more precautions, especially if we've seen that the guy's just been knocked out. I don't, I don't think putting him back in the ring, especially at a guy, a heavyweight with a guy that hits that hard, is the best idea. I don't think it should be something that could, you know, is continued practice. A thing that happened also on Saturday uh, in the morning was like a YouTuber uh, fight, right, with a KSI one, and it, it was, um, it was pretty much what I expected, but. There is something I did want to bring up, and I do think that they're kind of playing with fire with this. These guys are all YouTubers. I get it. And, you know, it's supposed to be taken lightly. But the fact is that no matter what they are in in anything, right, if you go to any career, right, and you pick a bunch of guys and say you're going to fight each other, there's going to be guys that can fight, and there's going to be guys that can't fight, right? And doesn't look to me like they're doing any really 
in-depth look on who can fight and who can fight. And they're just matching up. They're just matching up YouTubers versus YouTubers. And there's guys that can legit fight. I'm not saying they're high-level boxers, but I'm just saying they can legit fight. If they got in a street fight, they would know what they're doing. They'd be comfortable at it. And there's guys in there that look like they never thought of punching the day in their life. And if you keep putting these guys matched up together, just because they're YouTubers, you keep matching them up with a guy that can't punch and then a guy that, you know, is very comfortable in a fight, you're going to get those knockouts that they're getting. You see, it was fun in games before the YouTubers fought when, you know, they're just throwing and no real damage being done and it's kind of sloppy, messy. It was fun. But now that you're getting a guy that has no skill and no ability and not never been hit before, and you get a guy that's just comfortable throwing punches and staying in the middle and in the middle of fire, and he's knocking them out. I think it's getting very it's getting very dangerous at that point. Now we have a problem with Richard Torres knocking out guys like this. This YouTuber thing could get very dangerous if they don't. You can't just say, "Oh, he's a YouTuber. He's a YouTuber. And they're gonna fight." It, it it has to be beyond that. This is gonna be on the commissions now. It's gonna be on whoever is you know in charge of the safety of this fight. Is they're gonna need some proof on like, well, what, what does this guy look like when he hits the pads? What does he look like when he hits the bag? Is there any sparring of him? And what does this guy do it? You can't just say YouTuber versus YouTuber. Okay, you can't just go anywhere and just be like electrician versus electrician, and that somehow equals an equal fight. Okay, that's just a career. That's not. That's nothing to do with fighting. It's not a, a scale or measurement for fighting in any way. So we can't just say YouTuber versus YouTuber, and that's fair. It isn't. And you're playing a dangerous, dangerous game with these guys that are not trained athletes. They are not. Um, they picked up the sport really quick. And I, I give a lot of respect to some of them are, are committed to it. And I, I that, that's cool, right? That's it's respectable. But some of these guys are just, they're not used to getting hit. They're uh, no idea really. No one really has a real concept of what kind of danger they're in. That's the another thing. That's, a, that's the truth. Is you want to give? I want to give respect to guys and stuff like that. Hey, get in there and stuff like that. You know, they said not a lot of people get in there. Well, you know, ignorance too. I can't give credit for ignorance, right? And a lot of these guys are just ignorant. They don't know what they're gonna ha- what's gonna happen. They go in there, or they maybe went in there and fought another guy who didn't know how to fight just like him, and that ignorance allowed them the confidence to get back in there. But they're risking their lives. It's the truth of it, and they're not used to getting hit, and they're gonna fall. And get knocked out in very ugly ways. And I just think that every time someone gets knocked out, one of these things is it's gonna get riskier and riskier, and they're playing with fire, and there needs to be a little bit more um studying on these guys' background and the matchups. They, they just can't be this bad. They really can't. And I understand because you know, we're talking about Richard Torres is knocking out a guy. Maybe this is what the change of boxing has to be, but I told you, YouTubing YouTubers and like Jake Paul, it's boxing for dummies. It kind of simplifies all these things, and maybe that's one thing that's going to simplify too. It's like, hey, do we put these guys in just because it has, says pro on the record, just because they're willing to get in the ring? Should we allow them to get in the ring? And that's maybe this will have a rich Torres fight. It's definitely what's happening with these YouTubers. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the S Raw Podcast.